If you wish to become a complete and wise leader, you must embrace a larger view of the force. Welcome, everyone. My name is Devor, and you are listening to episode 10 of A Larger View of the Force, a Star Wars podcast. Look at that, folks. We are officially in the double digits. And honestly, I could not be more stoked about that. I just want to take a moment to thank everyone who's been on this journey with me, whether you're a first time listener or you've been here from the jump or you hopped on board anytime in between. Thank you so, so much for giving me and this little show your time. As always, if you are a first-time listener, make sure to go back and listen to our earlier episodes and subscribe so you can keep up to date with new episodes as they drop. To mark the show's 10th episode, today I'll be debuting the first in a new recurring series called Speculative Star Wars. Speculative Star Wars will be my foray into the world of audio drama. Each speculative Star Wars episode will tell the story of a single what-if scenario in the world of Star Wars. For the very first of these stories, I've chosen my favorite Star Wars what-if, and that is what if, instead of passing away, Anakin Skywalker had survived at the end of Return of the Jedi. I won't drag this out any further, so let's just dive right into it. This is the first speculative Star Wars story titled Renaissance. The Lambda-class shuttle touched down on the surface of Endor, not far from where the Death Star's shield generator once stood. Its destruction created a clearing in the dense woods of the forest moon, providing enough space for the shuttle to land. Endor's airspace was crowded on the descent, owing to the multitude of rebel ships racing to the surface to kick off the inevitable festivities. Swept up in the euphoria, no one bothered to pay any mind to the lone Imperial shuttle that left the Death Star, nor did anyone speculate as to who might be on board. Luke Skywalker looked out at the trees, elbow resting on the console. He left the planet as Darth Vader's prisoner, on his way to face the Emperor. That was... hours ago? If that. Events warped Luke's perception of time. Even now he struggled to reassemble everything that happened on the battle station. The beginning and the end were clear enough, but the middle was muddled. Certain moments stuck out, Vader's taunts, Luke standing victoriously over his father, the heat of the Emperor's lightning on his skin, but everything that connected them was reduced to blurs before his mind's eye. Perhaps with time, a clearer picture would form. In any event, he had more pressing matters. With the engines off, he could make out his father wheezing in the hold. Anakin Skywalker had survived electrocution at the hands of his former master, but just barely. If the suit wasn't repaired or replaced soon, he would die. The rebel fleet had had a medical frigate. With any luck, it survived the assault on the Death Star. But first, he needed to convince someone that the man everyone knew as Darth Vader was worth saving. The truth would have to be guarded. Very guarded. Luke had no doubt that those whom he served alongside in the Alliance were fundamentally decent people, but the intoxicant of victory, combined with Vader's many sins against the galaxy, might persuade some to try and take justice into their own hands. Of course, the upper echelons of the Rebellion would have to know. Mon Mothma, Admiral Akbar, General Maydeen, to name a few. But Leia deserved to know first. In one fell swoop, Luke told her that he was her brother and that Darth Vader was her father, and then he ran off to turn himself in. The mission to destroy the shield generator likely pushed those twin revelations to the recesses of her mind. But now that it was all over, she no doubt circled back to it, or she would in short order. He needed to find her. He wondered if he had enough time. He should be taking part in all the revelry that was about to get underway. Instead, he was tackling one logistical hurdle after another. 
The part of Luke that had lashed out at his father reared its head again ever so slightly, and he felt a stab of resentment. He promptly swallowed it. As difficult as the next steps would be, he did what he set out to accomplish, what Yoda and Obi-Wan said couldn't be done. He saved his father. The Chosen One was suffocating. Just before they boarded the shuttle, Anakin asked Luke to remove his helmet so that he could look at his son with his own eyes. In the 23 years since that mask came down at the end of that hellish procedure on Coruscant, Anakin only ever saw the world through the reddish tint of his optical lenses. The only respites came in the meditation chamber aboard his Star Destroyer, or in the Bacta tank at his fortress on Mustafar. But those were cages of their own. As Darth Vader, he grew to accept it, embraced it even, as something that alienated him from others, that instilled terror in his enemies and subordinates. Now it was oppressive. Anakin couldn't escape the fact that he was dying. As much as he savored the release when Luke pulled the mask off, it was the only thing keeping him alive. And so his son was forced to seal him back inside again. For the entire journey back to Endor, Anakin kept his eyes closed and said nothing. He was weak, of course, but he also couldn't stomach to acknowledge that he was still in the suit. He didn't want to stare through those red lenses again. He didn't want to hear that low, rumbling, mechanical voice. No matter how hard Vader tried, Anakin Skywalker refused to die. Time and again he broke through. On Naboo, when he visited the tomb of Padme Amidala. On Mustafar, when he attempted to channel the dark side well below his fortress to bring her back to life. On Malachor, when Anakin's former apprentice promised not to leave him again. On a Star Destroyer, when Boba Fett revealed to him that the rebel pilot who destroyed the Death Star bore the name Skywalker. Luke refused to believe that Anakin Skywalker was gone, despite Vader's protestations to the contrary. For a moment on the Death Star, Anakin thought that Luke might actually kill him, which forced him to do something he had never done before as Vader. As he lay on the ground, he begged, holding up his intact hand. He feared not so much for himself as for his son. He was in Luke's position once, on the invisible hand. He used his hate and anger to propel himself to victory against Count Dooku. He faced the same dilemma as Luke, whether to stand by his Jedi principles or give in to his emotions. He settled for the quick and easy path. He let Palpatine goad him into doing what he wanted and as a result, Sidious's grip around him grew even tighter. Luke, he recognized, was on the precipice of committing the same mistake. And just as with Dooku, Palpatine was ready to dispense with his apprentice for someone new, younger, more powerful. Vader always understood that he was expendable. Palpatine made that clear on plenty of occasions. But Luke's compassion made his master's indifference all the more brutal. It wounded him as it never had. But even that was not enough. He still returned to his master's side when Palpatine unleashed his lightning on Luke, ready, for all intents and purposes, to continue in his service, if only because he continued to see no escape. But the sight of his son writhing in pain brought him back to yet another moment, that fateful evening in the Chancellor's office. And it awakened something within him, a half-forgotten truth, as though he were accessing another's memories. He made a choice to help Palpatine then. He could make a choice to betray him now. Father, Luke came out of the cockpit, breaking the fever of Anakin's reverie. I've made contact with the Alliance, and they're sending a transport to take us up to their medical frigate. He paused. I didn't say anything about you. I told them I was injured. It'll be easier to explain in person. He cast a glance at the entry ramp. I have to go find Leia before they get here. She can't hear about it from anyone else. Luke made to leave. No! Even with the modulator, the crack in his voice was obvious. It was more vulnerable, more wounded than he'd ever sounded in the suit. 
Anakin reached out to his son. What if, what if I'm found? I can't, if anyone sees me. Luke winced. Even out here, a landed Imperial shuttle might attract attention. He would try to get her on comms when the medical transport arrived. It turned out that listening to Anakin was the right move. The crew arrived within a matter of minutes. Luke wouldn't have made it back in time. He didn't want to think about what might have happened. Luke descended the shuttle ramp. The transport had landed just a few hundred yards away. A medical droid clutched a floating stretcher. Two human officers stood by its side, and behind them a handful of Alliance troopers formed a perimeter. The fighting had only just ended. Everyone, understandably, still had their guards up. One of the officers frowned. Commander Skywalker, I thought you required medical assistance. Luke took a deep breath and exhaled. He needed to calm himself on the Death Star. He called on that resolve again. It's not for me. 2-1-B tended to Luke on Hoth after he was attacked by the Wampa, and again after he lost his hand to Vader on Cloud City. Luke trusted no one else to look after his father. The blue-gray medical droid had decades of experience mending the wounds of humans and other species. This was different. Anakin bobbed inside a Bacta tank. Assisted by an FX-7, 2-1-B moved as fast as he could to separate Anakin from the suit. But even so, it was slow going. 2-1-B couldn't help but shake his head as he struggled to make sense of the Empire's work. This was sloppy cybernetics. So much so that it had to be deliberate. That anyone managed to survive this long inside this monstrosity was nothing short of miraculous. Luke touched the glass of his father's tank, wishing he were strong enough with the Force to bequeath some of his life essence to him assuming such a thing were possible. Anakin was sedated at the start of the procedure, but Luke hoped that he might still be able to sense his presence. He will survive, 2-1-B assured Luke, taking stock of the shadow across his face. His voice, though unmistakably artificial, was nonetheless reassuring. You got him here just in time. The suit, however, is beyond repair. I can keep him alive in the Bacta, but it is only a temporary solution. Yet another thing he needed to bring up with the Alliance leaders. I've got a meeting to get to, Luke told the droid. If anything changes, call me back immediately. Of course, sir. They were aboard Home 1, Admiral Akbar's flagship. When word of Anakin's survival reached Rebel High Command, it was determined that bringing him here was the best course of action. Once the transport landed back aboard the ship, the operation to move Anakin to the medical bay was equal parts swift and discreet. No one laid eyes on the former Sith Lord, who didn't absolutely need to. Guards were posted outside the medical bay, and all foot traffic in the immediate vicinity was curtailed. If whispers about a high-value Imperial prisoner weren't already spreading throughout the ship, they would soon enough. Mon Mothma, Akbar, and Maydeen were waiting for Luke in the conference room where the briefing on the Death Star attack took place. Also present was the Twi'lek general, Hera Syndulla. Luke wasn't acquainted with her, but he knew of her by reputation. By all rights, they ought to be basking in the extraordinary victory they just pulled off. Instead, judging from their somber expressions and the way they carried themselves, hunched, arms folded, you would think the Alliance just lost it all. Mon Mothma was the first to address Luke. How is he? Her tone was more diplomatic than consoling. 2-1-B says he'll live. Luke hesitated, but not without a new suit. All eyes went to Mon Mothma, who, to her credit, had a talent for making herself difficult to read. But Luke couldn't imagine she was exactly thrilled at the prospect of the Alliance bankrolling a new suit for the Emperor's chief enforcer. You have told us part of the story, but only a part, Master Jedi. The address tasted foreign to Mon Mothma's lips. She could not recall the last time she used it. Before we can proceed, we will need to hear everything. Luke held nothing back. He told them what he knew. About Obi-Wan, about Yoda, about his sister, and about Anakin Skywalker. There were gaps in his story, questions he couldn't answer. The identity of his and Leia's birth mother, for example. He hadn't yet had a chance to talk at length with Anakin. 
The Alliance leaders, understandably, weren't fixated on such details. Anakin Skywalker, Akbar croaked. I fought alongside him, you know, in the Clone Wars. As a Jedi Knight, he helped to free Mancala from Separatist rule and unite my people under King Lee Char. He paused, his gaze narrowing. But as Darth Vader, he attacked my homeworld and imprisoned our king. It's because of him that Lee Char was murdered. Maidine shook his head. It's difficult for me to believe that a Jedi Knight could be capable of becoming someone like Darth Vader. Don't forget about Dooku, Mon Mothma reminded him. Even the wisest Jedi were susceptible to the temptations of the dark side. Luke had no idea who she was referring to, but he felt the urge to push back on his father's behalf. The Empire's crimes against your people are horrifying, Luke said to Akbar, as is my father's involvement in them. But I ask that you try and see Darth Vader and Anakin Skywalker as two different people. The man who freed your people was not the man who brought war on them. By that time, he'd been transformed into someone else. Someone who died on the Death Star, along with the Emperor. Luke could tell by the hands at his hips that Akbar wasn't buying it. Regardless of what we in this room think, the fact of the matter is that to the rest of the galaxy, your father is Darth Vader and no one else, Mon Mothma observed. His Jedi past may even work against him and lead him to be branded a traitor to the galaxy. Luke couldn't help but wonder whether Mon Mothma was merely posing a hypothetical or describing her own feelings. What will happen to him? Luke asked. That question had been her singular occupation since she first got the news. Circumstances were complicated as it was, and this only made them orders of magnitude worse. She was confident that she knew the correct course of action, but equally certain that she would receive considerable pushback. We are not the Empire, she declared simply. Perhaps more importantly, we cannot afford to be seen as anything resembling the Empire. We will make sure that your father has what he needs to survive, and then he will answer for his crimes at a fair and impartial trial. Luke should have expected it. It would have been obvious to anyone else. But even so, the words made his heart drop. Trial? Of course. It took her a moment, but she understood the source of his confusion. I do not doubt your account of what happened on the Death Star. But the fact remains that one moment of good does not make amends for decades of evil. Anakin Skywalker must face justice for what he's done. Luke felt his hands start to tremble. He swallowed the lump that had formed at the top of his throat. So the only reason we're keeping him alive is so we can throw him in a cell for what's left of his life? He's already suffered so much at the hands of the Emperor. What would you have us do? Mon Mothma asked. Her question was equal parts sincere and rhetorical. Let him wander the galaxy a free man? Put him to exile on some faraway Outer Rim world? If it became known that we had Darth Vader in our custody and let him go, the people would rightfully never forgive us. But he... Luke wanted to protest, but decided against it. He recalled Obi-Wan's words on Dagobah. You're going to find that many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. From Luke's point of view, he was Anakin Skywalker. From theirs, he was Darth Vader. On the one hand, they were contradictions. But if he had learned anything along the Jedi path, it was that contradictions had the ability to exist side by side. He opted for a different route. Locking him up might feel good, but it doesn't do anything to make the galaxy a better place, Luke insisted. When Master Yoda died, I thought I was the last of the Jedi. But now that my father is Anakin Skywalker again, he can help me rebuild the Jedi. He can teach me more about the Force. I know I still have much to learn. And who knows, maybe... He stopped himself. He wasn't sure he should bring it up. For one thing, none of them were learned in the Force, so they wouldn't know what, if anything, to make of it. Not only that, it puzzled Luke as well. He had sensed a shift. It had to do with his father... But not only that, it was as if Anakin's return had sent a ripple through the Force, which in turn had elicited a response from something, or someone. It was like an awakening, a bond long ago severed, reforged. 
I don't know much about the ways of the Jedi, Maydeen confessed, but I can't imagine that having the former Darth Vader at your side will help draw in recruits. Mon Mothma admired Luke's aspirations, but she had more immediate, more pragmatic considerations. The return of the Jedi would indeed be welcome, but I do not think it enough to buy your father's freedom. We cannot make the mistake of thinking that the war is over. The Emperor may be gone, the Death Star may have been destroyed, but the rest of the Imperial fleet will not willingly lay down their arms. A trial for the feared Darth Vader would show them the price of continued resistance. It would also demonstrate to the galaxy that the agents of the Empire will answer for their crimes, but not at the expense of our values. Where would we even keep him? Maydeen asked. He is a force wielder, after all. An ordinary prison won't do. Mun Mothma touched her chin. The Jedi had a prison at Lola Sayu, the Citadel, they called it, to hold fallen members of the Order. It was a separatist stronghold during the Clone Wars. I do not know what's become of it since, but it is an option worth exploring. You've been awfully quiet, General Sindula, Akbar remarked, turning to the Twi'lek. What are your thoughts on the matter? Hera's silence wasn't because she had nothing to say, but because she had too much to say. She needed to choose her words carefully. Not everything that was on her mind would play well in the room. Harris and Dula stood apart from the other three, figuratively if not literally. They admired the Jedi, appreciated their role in maintaining peace and justice in the galaxy, but they didn't understand them. Akbar may have called on the Force at the start of the Battle of Endor, but to him and the others, the Force remained an abstraction. They couldn't help but regard the Jedi as mystics, with powers and knowledge just beyond their reach. Terra, however, the Jedi were something more intimate. Maybe that's why they wanted me here, she thought to herself. I don't think there are any easy answers, she began. The Empire's many victims will, understandably, want to see heads roll. She thought of her homeworld of Ryloth. There were hundreds, thousands of systems with the same story. However, at this Luke perked up. I'm concerned that we might be too quick in overlooking what it would mean to see the Jedi return. You called it welcome, Senator Mothma. I think it's vital. With our ships and our soldiers, we may win the war. But without the Jedi, I don't think we can win the peace. It's not just a matter of good government and safe trade roads, though all that's important, of course. A victory that lasts also requires abilities that only one of us in this room possesses. She shot a fleeting glance at Luke. Abilities that were always rare, but became even more so after the Empire took over. Luke will need all the help he can get. Luke was grateful for the show of support, especially from someone to whom he had no personal connection. But the fact remained that she was just one voice, and she was in the minority. I know the pressure you were under, Luke said. You all have been part of the Alliance longer than I have, so I have no right to tell you how to run it. And I understand what you hope to accomplish by putting my father on trial. But I'm not sure that it'll work. As you yourselves have said, Darth Vader was one of the most feared and hated men in the galaxy. How can my father possibly have a fair and impartial trial under those circumstances? We'd have to scour the galaxy, find some remote planet, someplace untouched by the Empire, to have any hope of finding people who don't already have an opinion about Darth Vader. We'll have a hard enough time setting up a new government and fighting what remains of the Empire. Is a trial worth all that effort? Yes, it is. Luke hadn't sensed her presence at all, and judging by the looks on everyone else's faces, none of them knew she was in the room, or for how long. Leia descended the steps towards the center of the space. She had lingered in the back, staring down at the conclave. She hadn't planned on inserting herself, but she'd heard enough. She was still dressed in her camouflage fatigues. She stopped squarely beside her brother. Luke, I love you, but you're wrong on this one. Our father must pay for what he's done, no matter what it takes. Anakin Skywalker opened his eyes. The medical droid hovered over him. Welcome back, sir. How do you feel? Anakin was now on the Redemption, the Alliance's chief medical frigate, where Luke had received his prosthetic hand. Anakin didn't know it, but he was in the very same room. The Redemption was the only ship in the fleet with the resources needed to build Anakin a new suit. 
2-1B accompanied Anakin and was put in charge of the procedure. He relished the opportunity to take on a challenge unlike any he faced before. To design and install a full-body life support system, one superior in functionality to what Anakin had before. Anakin's wounds were so extensive, leaving no facet of him untouched, that 2-1B had to call up practically every scrap of information on human physiology in his memory banks to pull off the feat. The work took place over several days, during which Anakin flitted in and out of consciousness. In the end, Luke's faith in the droid was rewarded. Anakin lifted his head, gazing down the length of his body. He was in new robes, a blend of brown and black, not unlike what he wore during the Clone Wars. Surely that had to be a coincidence. There was no way Luke could have known. 2-1-B noticed that the garments caught Anakin's attention. We incorporated fabric from your old suit. I hope that is not to your dissatisfaction. It should have been, but Anakin could stand to retain a material connection to his former self. Whatever became of his life from here on out, he would never rid himself completely of Vader. They were one and the same for far too long. No doubt Vader would try and surface again. At least this way Anakin would carry a reminder with him, every day, of the price of indulging him. Anakin regarded his prosthetic hands. They had a synth skin overlay, concealing their artificial nature. He made a fist with each hand, taking a moment to flex each finger individually. He suddenly became aware that there was something on his face. He touched it and felt an apparatus over his nose and mouth, which extended down around his entire neck. He could hear a soft as he breathed in and out. It was nowhere near as bellicose as his previous suit. I succeeded in constructing a smaller respirator, 2-1-B explained. The inflection of pride in his voice was obvious. This should preclude the need for a full helmet and prove considerably less noisy. Anakin went to push himself up. As he did, a sharp pang traveled up the length of his spine. 2-1-B gingerly put a hand on his shoulder. You will need to be careful, sir. It will take some time to adjust to the new cybernetics. Sitting upright, Anakin caught his reflection in a pane of glass along one of the walls. There was nothing the medical droid or anyone else could do about his ghostly white skin or the cavernous scar running along the top of his head. Maybe the fact that he was no longer ensconced in the helmet would have a healing effect. He thought that the apparatus on his face made him look not unlike a certain Sith Lord from the days of the Old Republic, albeit considerably less malevolent. He would need to get used to his new appearance, especially to having his true face visible again. His new suit was comfortable. As depressing as it was to admit, this was indeed something remarkable. The Vader suit was quite heavy, nearly twice his own body weight, not to mention that it itched and burned his already sensitive skin. Only in his back to tank was he ever truly comfortable, and even that was relative. He could still feel this suit pressing down on him, but he could handle it, and the synth skin that the droid applied barely registered. Say something, sir, the droid beckoned. I have yet to hear the new voice modulator. It occurred to Anakin that he hadn't spoken a word to anyone in several days at the very least. He turned to the droid. Thank you. It was him, more than it had been in decades. Gone were the sonorous intonations. The apparatus managed to amplify his voice while eschewing any sort of heavy synthesizing, so although it was slightly muffled, it didn't come across as someone else. 2-1-B bowed as much as his joints allowed. Of course, sir. I learned much from the endeavor. My work will improve considerably. 2-1-B started to shuffle over to some medical instruments. Wait. He stopped and turned. Why did you do all this for me? Anakin asked. I assume you know who I am. Or was. The droid lingered on him for a moment before answering. I do, sir. And yet you still put in all this effort. After everything I did. Master Skywalker tasked me with ensuring your survival, the droid explained. It would be against my programming to allow someone to die if I could prevent it. Anakin Skywalker had spent a lot of time in the company of droids. Two in particular. He wondered if they were here, now, aboard this vessel. Over the course of that companionship, he came to ascribe sentient traits to them. Friendship, courage, 
loyalty, love. Maybe it was just programming. You have to see him. Unbeknownst to Anakin, the glass in which he saw himself was actually a one-way mirror. Leia and Luke stood on the other side. Tuan B hailed them after he awoke. As a matter of fact, I don't have to do anything, Leia corrected her brother. Least of all, talk to him. Luke was taken aback by Leia's rebuttal at the meeting, though in retrospect, maybe he shouldn't have been. Leia always had an independent mind, so really he had no reason to expect that they'd agree on something this important. Even so, he expected Leia to show some interest in engaging with her birth father. Instead, the topic of Anakin Skywalker brought out a bitterness the likes of which he'd never seen from her. You've been quick to forget who he was, Leia observed. I'm glad he saved you from the Emperor, but he also had me tortured when I was his prisoner on the Death Star. He held me back as Tarkin destroyed my home, murdered my parents, my real parents, and everyone I knew there. His was the face of the evil I've been fighting my whole life to destroy. I can't forget all that just because he now says he's changed. Nothing that Leia said was wrong. The scales of cosmic justice were very much weighed against Anakin Skywalker. Maybe they would be for all time, no matter how harsh a sentence any court handed down. I know it looks like this is easy for me, but it isn't, he said. He held up his prosthetic hand. I'll always have this as a reminder of what our father did to me on Cloud City. I'll never look at it and not remember the moment I learned the truth. I'm not asking you to forget anything, because I know I won't. I'm not even asking you to forgive him. I just want you to see that he's more than the version you knew. Darth Vader wanted to destroy you, but Anakin Skywalker doesn't. Just try. He touched Leia's shoulder. She could feel a crack in her resolve, though all it took was looking back at Anakin for it to harden once again. She felt no obligation towards him, but she didn't want to force a permanent fissure with Luke. He was family, after all, and she understood that he only wanted the best for her. Fine, she relented, sighing. But if after this I want nothing to do with him, you respect that, all right? You have my word. Luke went to leave, but Leia stayed behind for a moment. Staring at Anakin for too long seemed to paralyze her. Mentally, she resolved to talk to him, but it was as if her body were still reacting violently to the prospect and trying to sabotage her. Luke looked back at her. Are you coming? She nodded. She willed herself to follow Luke out and into the adjacent room. Anakin had taken his first tentative steps when they entered. Prosthetic legs were nothing new to him, of course, but a new pair always needed breaking in. He held his arms out to his side for balance. He spotted visitors out of the corner of his eyes, which 2-1-B had operated on in an effort to improve his vision without relying on ocular lenses. He nearly tripped when he realized who it was, catching himself just in time. 2-1-B pivoted back and forth between them. Perhaps it would be best if I gave you some privacy. The droid promptly waddled out of the room. All things considered, it was probably the right move, but part of Luke wanted 2-1-B to stick around. They might be needing a mediator. Anakin shuffled back to the bed. He didn't expect to see them both at the same time. He sensed Leia's conflict. Even if he weren't strong with the Force, her crossed arms and the way she stood ever so slightly behind Luke said it all. Anakin patted the bed. Please. Luke waited for her to make the first move. Leia stepped towards her father. She wished that she could see the whole of his face. It might help to see him smile, which he was. Two and B succeeded in humanizing him, but as far as Leia was concerned, enough of a semblance of Vader still remained. Leia sat on the bed, but kept her distance from Anakin. There was, in fact, enough room for Luke to comfortably slot himself between them. Luke, however, hung back, observing at a distance. Leia. She tensed for a moment, expecting to hear Vader again, and unfurled when she didn't. A thin film of tears washed over Anakin's eyes giving them a faint glimmer. Thank you for coming. I know this can't be easy for you. You're right, she replied flatly. It's not. Anakin put his hand on the bed, in the space between them. He didn't think he had earned the right to touch her. He hoped she would return the gesture. Leia took notice, but kept hers tucked in her lap. 
I, it's hard to know where to begin, Anakin said. I could apologize to you, but I can sense you're not very interested in hearing that. She said nothing, her silence a kind of acknowledgement. You're not happy that I survived. Leia was relieved that the Force allowed Anakin to intuit everything she couldn't bring herself to say. And I don't blame you, but something's driving you, an impulse you can't completely ignore. Tell me what you want to know. I'll do my best to answer. If they were going to avoid uncomfortable silence, she would have to take him up on his offer. Okay. She summoned the fortitude to look him right in the eyes. Why? You were a Jedi. Why did you turn your back on everything you stood for and serve a man like him? Anakin should have expected this question, and yet he hadn't prepared an answer. His mind immediately drew him back to the moment when he stood in the Jedi Council chambers and heard Master Windu tell him that he would sit on the council, but would not be made a master. He fumed about it afterwards to Obi-Wan, seething at the affront. At the time, it was just another wedge driven between him and the Jedi. What would Leia think of him if he brought that up? I made a choice. He knew we had to admit that up front. Anything less would amount to evasion. I was worried about your mother and you. I thought I was going to lose you both. Palpatine, he told me there was a way to keep you from dying, and that he would show it to me. By the time I realized it was all a lie, I already lost everything. I was completely at his mercy. I wish I could make you understand. It's very difficult if you haven't gone through it yourself. The dark side of the Force is like a fire that consumes everything in its path. The more you feed it, the bigger it grows and eventually gets so big that you can't put it out. That's what happened to me. Everything I did in Palpatine's service made the darkness stronger and made it harder for me to escape. If Luke hadn't, I don't... He left the thought unfinished. Leia's mind was cleaved. She understood Anakin's logic, perverse though it was. At the same time, it rang alien. You traded the fate of the galaxy... Of trillions, just to protect us? No. His answer caught Luke and Leia by surprise. Anakin didn't leave them wondering for long. I didn't want to protect you. I wanted to possess you. Turning to the dark side, destroying the Jedi. I didn't do it for your sake, but for mine. You, your mother, I only saw you through the prism of what you meant to me. If I truly cared about what was in your best interest, I would have thought more about the consequences, about the position I was putting all of you in. But my vision was narrow and clouded, and Palpatine knew it. It was an admission Leia had not expected. She allowed herself to feel the slightest morsel of affection for her birth father. He wasn't saying any of this because he thought it was what Leia wanted to hear. Who are you now? Leia asked him. Anakin didn't answer immediately. What exactly held him back, even for just a few seconds, escaped him. I am Anakin Skywalker, one of the very last of the Jedi. If they'll have me. He looked over at Luke, whose face betrayed nothing. And who were you then? When you murdered my crew and tortured me, who were you then? Anakin exhaled forcefully. Even with the respirator, the tremor in his breath was palpable. I was... He stopped, his throat tightening. It was as though his body were forcing him to be honest. I was twisted, but I was still me. If Vader had been a total stranger, I'm not sure he could have lived inside of me for as long as he did. In that case, I might have been stronger. I might have been able to reject him. But really, Vader was an outgrowth of all my worst emotions and impulses. His roots ran deep and that's what kept him around. I wish I could tell you that Vader was some parasite who invaded and took over my body, but that would be a lie. Leia nodded. Anakin clearly wasn't trying to spare her. She braced herself for rationalizations, for excuses, but he wasn't offering any. In fact, in a lot of ways, he was validating her own preconceptions about him. Still, it was hard for her to hear. Maybe because she wanted to stay mad at him, and his candor was, in its own way, complicating that. Something else gnawed at Leia. 
On Endor, just before Luke surrendered himself to Vader, the two talked about their birth mother. She told him about images, feelings. The more she thought about it, the less sure she was that she was ever actually in her birth mother's presence. Nevertheless, those impressions had imprinted themselves onto her mind, facsimiles of memories. She couldn't have understood or explained it before, but now that she knew about her lineage. Who is our mother? Leia asked. Luke and I were split up after we were born, to keep the Emperor from finding us. No one ever told us. Anakin turned away. Even in those times when he most lost himself to the darkness, she was never too far away. Padme. He said her name in a tone barely above a whisper, forcing Leia to lean over to hear him. Your mother was once queen of the planet Naboo. Later, she represented Naboo in the Galactic Senate. Maybe the three of us can go there one day, together. We met when we were just children. She was flying to Coruscant after a droid army invaded her home. Her ship was forced to land on Tatooine for repairs, and she and a Jedi walked into the shop where I worked. When I started my training, we didn't see each other for almost ten years. But then an attempt on her life brought us back together, and... It wasn't the Jedi way, but it happened. What happened to her? Leia asked. She must have died not long after we were born. Do you know? He saw it all again. He'd just woken up from the procedure, in his new iron prison, still strapped to the operating table. He turned to his master. Where is Padme? Is she safe? Is she all right? It seems, in your anger... I killed her. The words came out small and fragile. Anakin couldn't bring himself to look at Leia as he said them. For the first time in the course of the conversation, Luke's outward stoicism broke. His folded arms fell to his side. His mouth cracked open in shock. Leia had been inching closer to her father, but as soon as she heard him, she recoiled. You... you killed her? Anakin turned back to her. The terror of his confession caused his eyes to tremble. I... it was a mistake. An accident. She came to me when I was on a mission. Obi-Wan, he... he must have stowed on board. I don't think she even knew, but in the moment I... I just got so angry. Trickles of perspiration were now visible on his scarred head. Everything I did was for her, and I thought... it looked like she betrayed me. Leia sprung to her feet towering over her father, radiating fury. Luke took one step forward, ready to intervene if needed. What did you do? Each word knifed Anakin, who seemed to shrink before the princess of Alderaan. He certainly wasn't Vader anymore. I... I choked her. With the force, he added, as if that made it any better. I... I didn't think it was strong enough to... But I... She must have... Leia had heard enough. She spun on her heel and headed for the door. Luke made no effort to stop her. Any goodwill he accrued was lost, and Anakin knew it. He stood up, but he hadn't mastered his new limbs, so he wasn't able to go after her. Leia, you have every right to be angry with me, but just wait. No. She was at the door, still facing forward. We're done here. Leia, please, I'm your father. That prompted her to look back. I had a father, she declared. His name was Bail Organa. My father's dead. At that, she left. Anakin turned to his son. Anguish augmented every crevice on his face. Luke. Luke held up a hand to stop him. He wasn't about to disown Anakin as Leia just had, but neither was he prepared to have a conversation with his father before he had a chance to process that revelation. I'll be back, he said simply. I promise, he added, to reassure Anakin that he hadn't just lost both his children forever. Anakin nodded gently, though the look of concern remained. Perhaps he did not trust his son's words entirely. Luke exited the medical bay. Leia was nowhere to be seen. She's probably gone back to her quarters, he reasoned. He would check there first. Commander Skywalker! Harrison Dula sprinted towards him. They told me you might be here, she said. I'm glad I caught you. How can I help you, General? Hera took note of the guards outside the medical bay. Could we talk somewhere else? 
Luke nodded, and the two walked several meters to a more discreet spot. Since our meeting, we've been having conversations, Hera began. Senator Mothma, Admiral Akbar, General Maydeen, and myself, that is. That came as no surprise to Luke. Go on. They've come around to the view that you may have a point. That was unexpected. What do you mean? About Anakin Skywalker, she replied, as if that cleared anything up. They think he has an opportunity to do good, if he's willing to take it. They assume he knows many of the Empire's most valuable secrets. They believe he may be able to provide intelligence that would allow the Alliance to bring the war to a quicker end. Luke sensed there was more to this train of thought than she was comfortable articulating. What are you proposing, then? A trade? His knowledge for his freedom? Hera cocked her head tentatively. Their position is that Skywalker can't be set free now. Not so long as the war continues. But once the Empire has been defeated for good, and there's a new government, and the galaxy is at peace again, it may be possible to release him discreetly. The heel turn left Luke flabbergasted. Just days earlier, the Alliance's leadership had taken a principled stand in favor of incarcerating Anakin. Mon Mothma had talked about the need for Anakin to pay a price for his crimes, and the example he'd set for the galaxy by doing so. And now it seemed they were prepared to play politics, to squeeze him for information and hope no one noticed when they cut him some slack down the line. Either way, Anakin was being treated as a means to an end, his life only as valuable as it served the Alliance's goals. On one level, Luke couldn't blame them for wanting to use everything at their disposal to bring the war to an end. Even so, it was a little too calculating for Luke's taste. At the same time, Luke couldn't help but notice something in Hera's words. You keep saying they and there, he observed. You were also the only one to stand up for me earlier. I sense you don't agree with them. Hera wasn't surprised that Luke's intuitions were on target. There's more that I wanted to say in there that I didn't, she began. If I had, they'd have accused me of being too sentimental. I know this isn't just about the Jedi for you. My father wasn't Darth Vader, but we had a difficult relationship. We didn't see eye to eye on the rebellion, and he wasn't always there for me in the ways I wanted and needed him to be. For a long time, we were on our own separate paths. But then the fight against the Empire brought us back together, and we got a chance to reconcile. It turned out that having my father on my side mattered more to me than I was willing to admit. You don't just want to rebuild a Jedi. You want to do it with him. I would too. Luke assumed that that was still true, but the fact that there was even any doubt was a testament to how much Anakin's revelation had rattled him. Maybe Leia was right in a way. Maybe he had underestimated the hurdles that lay in the way of any sort of normal relationship with Anakin. I don't think they're all that invested in the Jedi, Hera continued. Between you and me, she added hastily. I don't hold it against them. The Alliance has a lot on its plate right now. But I think they see the Jedi as just another interchangeable asset, like blasters or star cruisers. I don't know much about the Force, but I know there's more to it, to them, than that. Luke's brow furrowed. There was something different about Hera. I'm not the first Jedi you've crossed paths with. Hera smiled wistfully. No. Who were they to you? She met Luke's gaze. They were family. She considered her words. Are. Hera hadn't given up on him yet. Anakin hadn't meditated like this in years. As Vader, whether in his pressurized chamber or in his back to tank, he fixated on stoking his fear, his anger, his hatred, plunging deeper and deeper into the well of the dark side. Now he was seeking peace and release, a momentary disconnect from self. He needed to reconnect to the light, to submit to the Force, rather than trying to bend it to his will. More than anything else, he was waiting. Waiting for answers about the future, about his children, about himself, about whatever lay out there in the galaxy. He'd felt it before. Maybe Luke had too. A presence, searching for him, traversing the void, reaching out to him. He had only to reach back, and the two would again become one. Again. Anakin felt a twinge. He was no longer alone. He opened his eyes to see Obi-Wan sitting on the far end of the bed, watching him, his face vacant. He seemed to be studying Anakin with anthropological curiosity, 
as though he were an unfamiliar specimen, or perhaps more accurately, something with which he required reacquainting. He looked exactly as he had on the Death Star, when he vanished just before Anakin had the chance to cleft him in twain. I guess you've come to declare victory, Anakin mused. Oh no, Obi-Wan replied. I think we've both been humbled. I didn't think this was possible, he gestured to his former apprentice. Neither did Yoda. We both told Luke that he needed to kill you. Luke believed there was an alternative. He was right. He softened, his lips breaking into a thin smile. I didn't think I'd ever see you again, Anakin. All those years we'd spent together, they'd come to feel like another life. One to which I've suddenly been transported back. I need your help, Obi-Wan, Anakin pleaded. I don't know what to do. I, Leia stormed off. I don't think she's coming back. Luke is on my side, still, I think. But I'm afraid the more they learn about me, the further they'll drift away. Careful, Anakin, Obi-Wan warned gently. Your inability to accept the reality of loss led you down the dark path in the first place. You must not fall victim to that mindset again. You unleashed great terror and suffering throughout the galaxy. It will be difficult, but you will have to accept that no matter what you say or do from here on out, there will be those who will not embrace you. That may well include your own daughter. If that is the case, you must relinquish your need to change your mind, or anyone else's for that matter. Do what you can, and accept the rest. Old habits die hard indeed, but Obi-Wan was right. Yoda offered him similar counsel once, and he disregarded it then. If he wanted to prove that he'd learned from his mistakes, he could start by accepting it now. Obi-Wan stroked his short beard. His eyes narrowed. There's something more. Anakin nodded. Was I supposed to die on the Death Star? Obi-Wan let out a soft, hmm. If you were supposed to die, I should figure you would have. Anakin had no patience for Jedi sophistry right now. You know what I mean. I was the chosen one. Anakin paused. Was? He thought to himself. No longer am? I fulfilled the prophecy. I destroyed the Sith. I brought the Force back into balance. But the prophecy didn't say anything about what comes next. It makes me wonder whether the Force only ever wanted me to bring balance, and then just expected that I wouldn't make it out. Even as Vader, he had never been quite so despondent. I'm not sure what my place is here, my purpose. Obi-Wan held up a cautionary hand. You're rushing, Anakin. Your heart's in the right place, but you must allow the will of the Force to play itself out and to reveal itself to you in time. I'm not sure what good it'll do me even when it does, he sulked. The rebels saved my life, but it won't be long before they'll want retribution. In the end, I deserve it, but... At the same time, it feels like a waste. I know there's more I can do, but I'm not sure I'll have the chance. Obi-Wan nodded softly. About that, you are absolutely right. Anakin perked up. The Alliance would lock you away forever if they could, Obi-Wan continued. They may offer you clemency down the road, but even then it will come too late. He exhaled. A reasonable course of action, from their point of view. But the Force... The Force transcends the priorities of any given moment. Its will, its objectives, are far greater than any one of us can comprehend on our own. At best, we must resign ourselves to seeing only bits and pieces of the greater whole. Based on that, I can tell you that you are not meant to rot away in a prison cell. Anakin came closer to his former master. He should have suspected this. Obi-Wan knew more than he was letting on. What then? His eyes widened. Luke will... Want to learn more about the Jedi? Maybe start a new temple? I'm sure of it. I... I can help him. Anakin's heart dropped when Obi-Wan shook his head. I'm sorry, he whispered. Luke brought you back to the light, but he will not be the one to lead you to atonement. I will tell you what I once told him. Your destiny lies along a different path than his. Then who? Impatience cut through the question. Who will help me atone if not my own son? Someone to whom you owe a far greater debt. Anakin was radiating desperation now. Obi-Wan, please, just tell me. I need to know. Patience, Anakin. Patience. Everything is in motion. Obi-Wan stood and walked across the room to gaze out at the cosmos. 
Anakin couldn't tell, but he seemed to be searching for something among the stars. Not long, he muttered to himself. Not long. He glanced back at Anakin. It's good to have you back, brother. Obi-Wan Kenobi disappeared. It was bad enough that Obi-Wan refused to give him any straight answers. But that wrinkle in the force, what he assumed alerted him to Obi-Wan, was still there. Wherever it came from, it wasn't from Obi-Wan. Anakin Skywalker was back in the Jedi Temple, walking along one of its many mezzanines. It looked just as it did when he was a Jedi Knight. The hallways were far wider than they needed to be, with high ceilings and stately bronze columns. It had the effect of shrinking you, and enforced humility. Despite the temple's scale, the sound of footsteps never seemed to travel very far, which further reinforced one's smallness. Sunlight poured in through massive windows. The temple showed none of its age, but even so it had a way of leaving you with the impression that it had stood and would stand for all time. Anakin was eager to give Luke a tour. He assumed that the passage of time would have eroded his memory, but as soon as he stepped inside, the entire structure unfolded like a map in his mind. He would take Luke up the central spire to the Jedi Council chambers, show him where Yoda and the other masters sat. They would go to the Jedi Temple Library, far and away the most extensive in the galaxy. Parts of the archives, such as the Holocron Vault, were closed off to all but the most senior members of the Order, as their contents were deemed highly sensitive. Jocasta knew, who was the chief librarian in Anakin's day, was uncompromising when it came to enforcing the rules of access. He and Luke, however, wouldn't have this problem. They could go into any part of the library, which would benefit Luke's training immensely. Luke. Anakin froze. He spun in place. Where was Luke? He couldn't remember walking in with him. In fact, he couldn't remember entering the temple at all. How did he get here? As for the temple, it hadn't looked like this since... Something wrong, Skywalker? A voice he thought he'd never hear again. A voice accompanied by rumbling, mechanical breathing. He turned. Darth Vader approached. His cape fanned out to become a veil of shadow that consumed more and more of the temple as he strode, lightsaber swaying at his belt. Anakin opened his mouth, but no sound came out. He was telling himself to run for it, but his legs wouldn't oblige. Fear had ossified him. Perhaps this will help. Vader raised a hand to the ceiling. As he did, the sun fell, replaced by a clear night sky, which bathed the inside of the temple in darkness, though the shadow trailing Vader was blacker still. Worst of all, the halls are no longer empty. Bodies of Jedi knights and younglings littered the floor. The sound of blaster fire rang out in the distance, though the clones themselves were nowhere to be seen. Anakin dreaded that he might hear the whoosh of a lightsaber next. There, Vader purred. Is this more familiar? More comfortable? Anakin shook his head. Don't, don't do this. I don't want... Vader walked over to one of the dead younglings and crouched down. This is the forge in which I was molded. He glanced up at Anakin. Did you really think that you could rid yourself of me so easily? After everything we did together? I underestimated your arrogance, Skywalker. You cast our master down a shaft and thought that that gave you permission to walk away from all this? No, Anakin breathed. I, I know there's more. It will take time. You fool, Vader spat. There's no going back. None of them, not Luke, not the Alliance, know the whole story. Only you and I. Your only hope is that they're unable to put all the pieces together. And as long as you stay silent, they probably won't. But will your conscience let you? And what then? You'll be lucky if you actually get to live out the rest of your days. You're lying. Anakin was trying to project confidence, but the truth of Vader's words was sinking in and crushing him as surely as his old suit had. They'll... they'll... they'll what? Understand? Vader could see through the act. Perhaps this is insufficient. Vader raised his hand again. The dead Jedi that surrounded Anakin suddenly rose to their feet, though in a decidedly unnatural manner, as though someone were tugging at ropes tied around their wrists and ankles. Their heads were in their chests, but Anakin could see that their eyes had turned milky white. They still bore wounds from the blaster bolts, and for some, from a lightsaber. 
Figures also emerged from the shadow behind Vader, all of them also ambling like puppets, all with eyes occluded. By starlight, he could make out some of them. There were more Jedi, plus Tusken Raiders, rebel troopers, members of the Separatist Council, even a few Imperial officers. The reanimated Jedi activated their lightsabers and encircled Anakin. Even if he could will himself to attempt an escape, he almost certainly wouldn't get very far. Vader motioned to the assembly. Look around, Skywalker. This is your legacy. Our legacy. You have no right to cast it aside. With each life you took, I grew stronger. The Emperor could have been the culmination, our ultimate triumph. Instead, you chose to turn your back on me and give yourself over to them. We could have had the entire galaxy within our grasp. Tell me, Skywalker, what do you have now? Anakin felt something tug in his robes. He backed away when he saw a youngling staring up at him, a boy with short blonde hair. Anakin knew instantly who he was. Master Skywalker, the boy said in a dreary monotone, as though reading from a script. There are too many of them. What are we going to do? Does the child frighten you, Skywalker? Vader asked. Is that how far you've fallen? Anakin turned back to Vader, only to notice, for the first time, a figure cowering behind the Sith Lord, peering out at the scene. Even in this phantasmagoria, Anakin recognized her immediately. Padme? Anakin mumbled. Padme, come over here, please. Anakin held out his arm. Padme stared at him longingly, then cast a glance up at Vader, as though seeking permission from him. Vader looked over his shoulder. You want her, Skywalker? He took off his lightsaber and ignited it. Duel me for her. Seeing Padme was enough for Anakin to find the fortitude that he was sorely lacking. It drained away just as quickly. Duel? I... I don't even have a lightsaber. Vader stepped forward. That never stopped you before. Vader lunged at Anakin. Anakin launched the force at him, hoping to still his blade. Vader's saber froze in the air for a moment, trembling as Vader resisted. But the Sith Lord proved more powerful. Vader broke Anakin's feeble defenses and swung the saber across him, severing his mechanical hand in a single clean motion. Anakin tried to push Vader back with his other hand, but Vader swiftly dispensed with it as well. In his haste to retreat, Anakin caught the hem of his robes and went tumbling backwards, landing with a thud on the floor. The undead Jedi stepped back as Vader lorded triumphantly over Anakin, pointing the tip of his blade at him. How pathetic, Vader scoffed. Look at you now, Skywalker. You can barely put up a fight. Anakin closed his eyes and shielded his head with the stumps of his arms. With any luck, his death would bring whatever this was to an end. But what if it didn't? Anakin braced himself. Ah! The blow never fell. A beam of white light pierced the center of Vader's chest, stopping his strike midair. When it pulled out, Vader turned to see an entity made of the same white light standing behind him. It was nearly his height, almost bell-shaped, but otherwise rather amorphous. Two white beams jutted out from its sides at roughly the same spot where a person's hands would be. The entity swung the beams at Vader, which he managed to block with his lightsaber. But the attacks kept coming, each one more aggressive. And the entity was nimble, ducking and leaping out of the way of Vader's blows. It didn't help that Vader was injured. His attacks were clumsy, more impulsive than strategic. Whatever it was, he couldn't land a hit on it. The entity was done showing off. It went in, one beam spinning as it swung first down, then up, slicing both of Vader's arms off at once and sending his lightsaber flying into the shadow. Then, without pause or hesitation, the entity crossed the beams and sliced horizontally, decapitating the Sith Lord. Vader's helmet hit the floor and rolled over to Anakin, stopping at his feet. Anakin gazed upon the face he had worn for more than 20 years before it exploded into dust. With Vader vanquished, the shadow retreated, taking all the undead figures with it. Night once again gave way to day. The entity remained, though its twin beams had retracted. Anakin sat up. What are you? The entity didn't answer. Why did you help me? The Redemption had a brig on its lower decks, in the event it ever needed to treat and house prisoners of war. After Anakin's procedure was complete, he was transferred down there until the Alliance could locate a suitable long-term facility. It was there that Anakin saw the vision. 
He continued meditating in the hopes of gaining greater insight into Obi-Wan's cryptic pronouncements. For a while, there was nothing. It would take time for his wound with the light to fully heal, he reasoned, and he was on the verge of admitting defeat. And then he lapsed abruptly into the vision, one clearer than anything he experienced even as a full-fledged Jedi. Several days had passed since Anakin had last seen Luke. He still believed that Luke would stay true to his word, but he couldn't deny that some measure of his resolve was chipping away as he waited. The vision kept up his spirits. He knew it held answers, even though they eluded him for now. He heard footsteps approach and then come to a stop just outside his cell. Skywalker, a guard said in a flat affect, a visitor for you. Anakin got to his feet. Though space was limited, he had practiced moving around on his new prostheses and was now considerably more comfortable with them. The door to the cell opened. Anakin expected Luke. Instead, a white-robed figure entered, hood drawn tightly around their face. Anakin felt it more powerfully than ever before. That tremor in the Force. The entity in his vision. It was here. Hello, Anakin. It's been a while. Anakin swallowed. Snips? And that concludes the very first speculative Star Wars story. I hope you all enjoyed that. There will be more to come in the year 2021. I've already broken ground on the second story. Compared to this first one, it's a what-if scenario that I don't think a lot of Star Wars fans have probably spent much time dwelling on. But somehow it had captured my imagination, and I think precisely because it's not an obvious one, I think it'll make for some really fun storytelling. But that's some ways away. In the meantime, what to expect on the next episode? Episode 11 will be the final episode of the year, and it'll drop on December 20th, which happens to be two days after the fifth anniversary of the theatrical release of The Force Awakens, the film that kicked off the sequel trilogy and was sort of the opening act for the Disney era of Star Wars. So to mark the occasion, on episode 11, I'll be taking a look back at The Force Awakens. And joining me for that look back will be Meg Dowell of Utini, Project Stardust, and Starbird Dawn, and Lacey Gillerin of The Resistance Broadcast. We are closing out 2020 with a bang. This is going to be a powerhouse episode, so absolutely make sure you tune in. Until then, make sure you're subscribed to the show and rate and review the show if you can. You can follow A Larger View of the Force on Twitter at A Larger View Pod. You can also follow me on Twitter at Demondum. And until next time, look for the Force and you will always find me. Bye.